Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the hope for the Titans is that AJ Brown just kind of like overhypes himself up and has one of those games. Here comes the head Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast. I am your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. This is the Hot Read Pod for December the 2nd of Friday. Folks, we are into December. Things are flying fast. I'm joined, as always, by a man who would choose Walgreens over Costco, producer JT Runke. JT, hello. How are you? I hope you're... Uh, I actually don't hope you're good because I need you to explain what in the world you were talking about on the internet uh, about places that you shop. Let me set up. Let me anybody that's missed out on this a couple of days ago. Let me just preface where we're at here. So Barstool Sports tweeted out. This is a weird cold open to the show, but this is important to me. So we're doing it. Barstool Sports. They tweeted out. If you can only shop at three of these stores for the rest of your life, which one are you choosing? The options were Target, CVS, Costco, Trader Joe's, Walgreens, Publix, Aldi, Walmart, 7-Eleven, Dollar Tree, Whole Foods, Kroger. Okay. So, I responded. Well, not responded. I actually quote tweeted that. And I said that Costco is the easy first choice. It's the obvious first choice. If you don't think that it is, I'm not convinced you've ever been to a Costco. Then I said that I'd probably go Target and then either Walmart or Publix. It's hard for me personally to pass on Publix because I think that they do the most underrated job with their in-house food from rotisserie chicken to their pub subs, their sub sandwiches to um, their like chicken. That Like they, they just – all of their deli area, everything that they do in-house is super underrated and fantastic. However, I don't really need groceries because I already have Costco and Target, so I'd probably go Walmart just for everything else. The point of this is – Moron that I employ here, JT, producer JT comes in and he replies that this is a miss of a take. I said, fine, what is your what is your counter offer? And he says Publix, respectable, Target, I have that one as well, and Walgreens. Before I just lay into you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to defend yourself. This is this is a hit piece of just for the viewers, I'm I'm side blindsided here by this i did not know that we were going <laughs> the, to be the, starting off the episode like in this planning is the episode hit, i said all right i'm gonna open piece. with something i'm not telling you about yet and then we'll do other stuff so yes and this, here I, it is this, you need to defend uh, <laughs> i've never been to a costco that is one. So, exactly exactly <laughs> i told you if you don't answer costco i'm convinced you've not been okay now i feel better for you I, because you're no. not you're not a moron you're just uninformed no, that's I'm, all see that's also because i'm not originally from the south so costco isn't like my jam like Have you sam's, been to sam's club? club sam's club is more my jam but still okay, you know not it's the really. same thing right yeah i know but like they're both just like meh i think like no you no. can it, the only the only thing that you do there is you get your stuff in bulk it's not like quality though it is in quality my, what are you talking about the same products it's the my same opinion, products it's not um okay but it, that's not an opinion it's literally the same products though i from my experience going to a Sam's Club, which I've never been to a Costco, so I can't say that. Okay. But Sam's Club, I've always, like, when my family used to get food and stuff from there, I was like, this is always just, like, worse. Now, I will say, I just, like, was at my other job, and I was like, let me just throw in a random one that I also like, and I chose Walgreens. I was about As to say, for that, because I, the less egregious like, part I, of the take is hating on Costco, 
It's more that you're replacing it with a horrible establishment like Walgreens. What I mean, do you see in Walgreens? I don't know. It's probably just because I get my medication from there, and I need a place to pick up my my stuff Target, from a pharmacy. Target has a pharmacy. Walmart no, has a don't. pharmacy. Public? They yes, really? they do. Yes, they do. Yes. Interesting. All of these places that you listed, that I listed, have far- I Costco get, has a I pharmacy. My, I can also my um my my Arizona Mucho Mango is like right in there in the Walgreens. I go in. What is that? My medicine. You never had an Arizona Mucho Mango? Oh, like the tea? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I've, I've had yeah, different no, Arizona I get, teas. I, I get no. the I get my medicine. I get the Mucho Mango, and I'm out. And that's all I need. And that's why it's great because it's but so why? convenient. It's so illogical. Why would you choose to spend $8 on a four-pack of razor blades at Walgreens where you're going to go up to the front of the counter and there's not even going to be somebody there and you're going to ring the bell and then you're going to be like, does anybody actually work here or can I just leave with my stuff? And then 10 minutes later they come out from the back and it's like a person that's annoyed that you even are in their store and they check you out when you could go to Costco and get a 48-pack of the same razors for the same price – and have phenomenal customer service and get a meal, a full meal for like $2 on the way out. Why do you even need 48 razors? Like, <laughs> Because then you never have to think about them again for like a year or two or four. And then you also like the bang for your buck is amazing. I, first of all, I'm a buy in bulk everything kind of guy because I'm a creature of habit. And so when I pick something, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that would love to go to Costco and like, okay, Gillette razors. This is what I use to shave. Let me get a 48-pack, and then I don't have to think about it again for two years. Epic. I don't, that's thing I don't have to think about again, like, off my plate. It's very interesting. Me and you I know I'm not going to change. Different. Me and you are very different. I'm more just, like, spontaneous. And when, like, I think – sometimes I swear to God, I go to the grocery store sometimes three times a week because I'm, like – I literally, I don't ever bring a list with me. I'm like, I'm going to go down the aisles. And if I see the thing that I need, I'm going to pick it up. And if I miss it, if I forget it, oh, well, I'll just go back two days later. And so get I it. buy in bulk and you, you're, you like micro dosing your groceries. Yeah, right. Micro my groceries. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I could have like maybe picked like if I went back, I'd probably put like Whole Foods in there or something. Cause like. I could have respected that a little bit more, I guess. I like. I like Whole but Foods. But Publix on that list, one, there's though. nothing. There's I, no, I'm with you on Publix. Publix is the goat grocery store, in my opinion. However, there like there is no arguing that Costco is the most economical choice on that list. There's no other store that can compete in terms of yeah, price. but I can't. But I also can't walk into a Costco. I got to sign up for a card, and you know everything. And then and... you can walk in. <laughs> I just you want to be able to like, walk into my grocery store. You get you to know? feel like an elitist. You get to flash I, I your guess, little thing and be I like, guess. I belong here, and then walk in. It's awesome. I'm taking you, We're going on a field trip. I'm taking you to a Costco okay. sometime. Love it. Good. All right, now let's talk about sports, which is the point of this show. We're now almost eight. We're exactly eight minutes into this show, and uh, we've not even mentioned <laughs> sports, which is what you came here for, our dear listeners. We are talking about the Titans and the Eagles today. Big game this weekend, which a weekend filled. Last week we talked about how the Bengals and the Titans game was like the only decent game on the slate outside of the Thanksgiving Day games. It was the only game between two teams with a winning record. This week, we've got a number. The, the matchups make sense. There's matchups against two teams that have bad records and teams that have good records. A ton of football to watch up and down the board. I'm secretly happy that it's a Titans away game purely because I won't be at the game and won't be able, like I'll be, of course, mainlining Titans because I'm covering it. It's my job. 
but I'll get to have Red Zone on TV number two and pay attention to the rest of the awesome games going on. So it's one of many, many great games this week, and it's a big one for the Titans to avoid their second two-game losing streak on the year. Of course, they opened the year 0-2. Mike Rabel rarely loses two games in a row. Well, frankly, he rarely loses to begin with, but when they do lose, the Titans under Mike Rabel tend to bounce back the following week. So I guess if you're a fan looking for the bright side of the loss last week it puts you in a good place you would think it puts the team at least in a good place mentally to be all in this week and uh, have a chip on their shoulder to to not fall to seven and five in Philadelphia which we of course all know is a less than ideal place to have to play on the road the Titans are only going to have to contend with the raucous Philly crowd which I'm sure will be out in full force this is probably one of the bigger games that they'll host this year at home because of the A.J. Brown angle, because of the fact that it's two very good teams. And, of course, I'm sure that Philadelphia is having no trouble selling tickets right now, considering this is the best the Eagles have been since they won the Super Bowl, really, a couple years ago. So the uh, the main part of today's episode is going to be a return to form. We have our friend James Foster back on a James Foster Friday and we've it's been JT I think it's been like three maybe four weeks since we've had him on it's been a while just scheduling conflicts both on our side and his side that have kind of caused us to grow distant but a friend of the show we brought him back and we have spoken we're going to have him each and every Friday fingers crossed nothing crops up from here through the rest of the Titans season at least if not beyond that hopefully beyond that because we love having him on and his insight is fantastic we kind of made up for some lost time this week we have him on it's about 30 minutes of our show so we're not gonna spend too much time here in the open talking a bunch about this game we talk about a lot of it with James one thing that's kind of just doesn't really fit into any category I'm sitting planning the show and I've got a list of things from the week that I want to cover this one didn't really fit into a box so I'm just gonna get it out of the way here and I think it's an interesting topic it's been a topic of discussion all across Nashville and Titans media this week. It's a big piece from Joe Rexroad, our buddy, not a friend of the show, but we'll have him on at some point because I know Joe a little bit and he's a great guy. He wrote an article over at The Athletic earlier this week talking about how from a college football angle, because we, you know, we're, we're focused on a big college football game this weekend, the game between the Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan once again kind of pantsing Ohio State on national television, something that Ohio State's not been used to for was like Ohio State has won like 13 years in a row until the past couple. Ohio State is got a problem at head coach. Many people seem to think at least Ohio State fans seem to think that Ryan Day uh, is kind of a fraud, it seems. And so there's been a lot of hot seat discussions around, well, maybe Ohio State goes and gets another coach. Maybe, you know, some crazy fans are calling for Urban Meyer to return. Joe Rexrode, not a crazy fan, not crazy at all, wrote an article about how Ohio State should try to give Mike Vrabel the world and return to dominance and never look back, and they should just throw the kitchen sink and the refrigerator and the microwave at him in terms of trying to poach him this offseason. This article, of course, sent Titans fans into a complete and utter tizzy. Um, and my thoughts on it, and I tweeted this out, I think, yesterday – Essentially, it's a good article. If you don't have The Athletic, you may not have been able to read it in full, but I do. And it was not a click outrage clickbait article like some other people in the, this media market might write to try to get you mad to click on their article. That wasn't the case at all. It was well-reasoned and detailed. Joe, as always, did a fantastic job 
writing this one. Also, the thought of Mike Vrabel leaving to go anywhere should absolutely freak Titans fans out. He's the best doing it in the NFL right now. I think he's the best coach active right now in the league. We've talked about this ad nauseum for a couple of episodes now. So the idea that another team uh, at any level would come and take him from you should be terrifying. The, the Ohio State standpoint of this is obvious, and the point that Joe makes in the article from the standpoint of somebody that wants Ohio State to succeed, aggressively pursuing Mike Vrabel makes complete and utter sense. They could double his salary without blinking. The, the, the booster situation with these big schools is just infinite money, essentially, to play with. However, Amy Adams Strunk and the Titans organization would not be powerless if OSU tried to poach him. They know what they have in Mike Vrabel. They know they have one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the league. They would not let him leave and just walk away without putting up a fight. All indicators, and this is the, the good news for Titans fans, that I think getting your, you know, getting your pants in a wad over the fact that there's this opinion piece that's the kind of thing you read in August or in July is coming out in December and you're concerned mid season about Mike Grable going anywhere. He's I guarantee didn't read the article and is not worried about or interested in any of those kinds of topics right now. He's trying to win December football, which is incredibly hard and incredibly important, but all indicators are that he loves his situation. He's a family man. He lives here in Nashville. He's got a family here in Nashville. He seems to love the city. He loves his coworkers and he seems to love his ownership He's got it very, very good here in Nashville, and he just signed a contract extension along with GM John Robinson this past February, I believe, this past spring. So I don't think that this should really put you on DEFCON 1 as a Titans fan. I think that you should just pump the brakes. The idea is absolutely scary, but I don't think that there's any concern right now that he's going anywhere, and I, I wouldn't lose your mind over that. So those are just my thoughts on a, a really popular article going around the Titans universe this week that's essentially all i have to talk about that we don't cover in our interview with james so jt we'll get to the news here in just a minute but before we do a reminder and i'll remind you it especially this week because we have james on and we go over a little bit of film study with him at the end of the episode we are a video show as well as a podcast if you did not know that this must be your first time listening because i mentioned it almost every show you can see our beautiful faces right here if you go to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You can find the Hot Read Podcast. Each and every show is up there and available for you to watch as well as to listen to. And we appreciate that. Leave us a subscribe on the YouTube and like all of our videos and we'll love you forever. So, JT, if you wouldn't mind, let's get into some Titans news. Jumping into the news for today, let's start off with the injury report and it starts off with some bad news here. Nate Davis logged a no practice today with a knee injury after not being on the injury report yesterday. So that is a huge blow for this Titans offensive line who, by the way, is looking to get Ben Jones back this week. So one man up, another man down, it seems wow. like, but we'll have to see how it goes the rest of this week. Of course, Jeffrey Simmons and Elijah Molden also haven't practiced this week dealing with their groin and ankle injuries respectively so it'll be interesting to see if they have them this week i know last week i believe Easton, correct me if you're wrong but um they should they, I, I think they didn't practice at all last week either and ended up going um so that'll be interesting to watch maybe just giving them that time off that they need for their injuries 
So we'll yeah, have so to see. Simmons all year long has been hit or miss with practice for a couple of almost a month now. We've known that his ankle is not right. He continues to play because they need him to play, and that's just the way that he operates. There's been times where he didn't practice on any day during the week and was questionable and still played. So I don't think that's a big concern. There's nothing that gives us a reason to think it's anything different than what's been for a couple of weeks in a row now. With Molden, I don't remember. I, I think that he practiced in full last week. I'm not sure about that. I, I don't know with him. What was it? Was a groin injury? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. It kind of seems like a 50-50 proposition to me right now. Um, we don't know the details around that injury, whether or not that is um, like a, a precautionary thing. It's kind of a flare up from what he was coming back from or not. It's the same kind of injury that he's been dealing with. So we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, there's not been any more details on him regarding that. With Nate Davis, also no details on his knee injury. This is one I'm not positive about, but he's cropped up on the injury report a couple of times this year with, I think, a knee, if my memory serves me, and he's played. So I'm not super concerned about that one either. Let's see if he misses a couple days in a row, and if so, you know, tomorrow on Friday, Vrabel will, will give the status report on these guys, and if he's out, we'll know then. With Ben Jones, I'm all but certain he will be back. He's practiced in full two days in a row. He uh, was nearly coming off of the uh, concussion protocol last week in order to play against the Bengals. At the last moment, he wasn't able to go, which leads you to think with concussion protocol, he's been out for two weeks now. He's practicing in full. There's no reason why he won't be taken off of that protocol and be able to play in this game, which is a big deal because it will allow the Titans to, and we talked about this with James, put Jones back in at center, slide guys over, and take Dylan Raidens out of the equation, which is not necessarily good news for the pass protection because Raidens has been a very pleasant surprise with his pass protection. He's been very good in the three games that he started this year at guard for the Titans. However, his run blocking is just untenable. He uh, has one of the worst PFF run blocking grades in the league in the past couple of weeks, and it's part of the reason why the Titans have been so bad um, at, at run blocking. With Ben Jones back in at center, it's going to allow them to do more of what you're used to them seeing. Or used no, to seeing from them. Probably. Yeah, no, exactly. So that'll be a, a big addition. A couple other notes here on this Titans injury report. Traylon Burks did not practice today dealing with an illness. I wouldn't be too worried about that unless it continues, but he should be able to go this week. And then Danico Autry also looks like he's still a game or two away from returning as of now. Of course, he has not practiced at all this week. Yeah, with Autry, I wouldn't hold your breath on him playing this week. Um, they're going to want, they, they are going to want and probably need him good to go for the playoff push. So they're going to not rush him back. Um, they Again, they're in a good spot in terms of where they're at in their division with their record and all of that. They're going to wait to get him back and healthy. Um, but we really don't, again, they haven't given us a ton of details on the severity of his injury. We just know based on anecdotal social media evidence from him that he's feeling good and he doesn't seem like there's a disaster in terms of his injury. So I think that he'll be back, but I'd be surprised if it came the next week or two. Yeah, and then one final note here for the Titans. Randy Bullock is looking like he is set to resume kicking duties as 
Craig Aukerman said today that assuming Randy feels good and he's got the distance, he is the guy for this week. So that is some good news for them. Yeah, that was set in stone essentially when uh, rookie kicker Caleb Shudak missed his 35-yard field goal right before half last week. That, you know, a tough look for a young guy who, we you know, very small sample size, can't really make any determinations about him as a kicker. They're keeping him around. I think that he's probably the kicker of the future, or at least that's what they like him to be. But for now, Bullock is the safe choice, and as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the guy for this team. And it sounds like he practiced in full today. It sounds like he's going to be good to go. So, On the Eagles' side of the ball here, the Eagles, or the Titans, will not have to deal with cornerback uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the secondary. He'll miss, be missing a couple games here with a surgery to his lacerated kidney which is Brutal. quite an interesting one on the Sounds injury report there painful. very painful yeah. um so they will not have to deal with him on that side of the ball but and his on replacement that side- by the way mtsu uh, alum safety i forget his name but he uh, filled in last week um at safety and ended up picking off Aaron Rodgers. He's a, a he was a five year starter at MTSU, so kind of a local tie there. And of course, the Titans have their own MTSU alum at safety in Kevin Byard. So I think that they'll actually probably be picking on him a good bit, um, just because again he's a rookie and he looked good in his first start and he's got some savvy to him because he's been playing at the college or football or NFL level for a long time. However, he's still a rookie and he's this is going to be his first career start, undrafted rookie for that matter. I think that they'll probably be looking his way quite a bit on Sunday. A couple other injuries here for the Eagles. Both wide receivers, Zach Paschal and Vonta Smith, both limited in back-to-back practices with groin injuries. It'll be interesting to see if they both go, but the biggest thing to note here for this Eagles team is Jordan Davis is being designated to return from the injured reserve this week. If he goes or not, that will be soon to be determined here, but it would be massive for this Eagles defense if he's back. You'd think so. It's bad news for the Titans, but with a massive grain of salt. When you've got a guy like him coming off of the IR, this is his first week back in maybe a month. It's been a couple of games at least. They almost certainly won't be putting him back in at his full snap count, so they won't have to see him as much as you would if he was at full strength. And also, who's to say he's going to be at full strength? He's coming off of the IR. He's, there's going to be some rust at the very least. So I don't think it's the end of the world. It will help this Eagles run defense, which the Titans are going to have to run the ball well against this Eagles defense to be successful on offense. I don't know if it's going to help enough because with or without him, they have been, I guess, with him for the majority of the season and then without him for a couple of weeks now. Overall, they're a bottom five run defending team in the league. So if the Titans get their run game back on track, which they desperately need to after two or three bad weeks in a row now, this would be the spot to do it. Moving on, let's talk about how good the Titans have been passing the ball lately. From the last four weeks, weeks 8 to 12, the Titans lead the league in most receptions of 10-plus yards. They have 10 receptions there, besting the Chiefs, Packers, and Raiders in that category, who all have only 8. The Titans also have the highest yards per reception through that span with 13.4, so they're starting to get it clicking over on that side of the ball. They are. It's wild, isn't it? And we talked about this on Monday in my over, not overreact, it was an overreaction Monday, but it was the winners and losers article talking about how I felt like people were overreacting or frankly just uninformed about how well the Titans passing game looked in that Bengals game. Again, I think it was the only element of their game outside of, I guess, the special teams punt unit, which has been really good for them. Um, it's Other than that, it's really been the only element of their, or in that game rather, sorry, I'm rambling. 
the only element in that game that they were a plus at, and that was the passing game. They looked really good, and if the running game had gotten anything going, which it didn't all game, that, I think, complementary style of football would have shown itself a little bit more, been more evident to people, but because the offense as a unit didn't do very well and in the red zone did horribly, it felt like a bad game all around. It was not. This Titans pass game has really been unlocked by the return of Traylon Burks. He, he, you know, he's got a long way to go, and there's a lot of development still to be had with him. They're not asking him to do a lot, the Titans coaching staff, but what they are asking him to do, he's excelling. And it, as long as he continues to trend in this positive direction and be a bona fide wide receiver one for this team, which is what he's looked like for two straight weeks, they're probably cooking with some gas now for the first time in a while in the passing game, hoping, praying that he and Robert Woods and NWI can stay healthy and even a little bonus if Kyle Phillips can ever come back and be healthy from his hamstring injury. And that's going to wrap up our news outlook for this gate. All right, that is JT with the news. Now let's transition into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. It is our interview on a James Foster Friday with the man himself, James Foster. We talk all things Titans and Eagles. We get into a little bit of film study. It's a great conversation. Before we get into it, I have to let you know that if you are not already a Broadway insider, please go and become one. It's just 99 cents for your first month. What does that get you? Well, it gets you the full Mike Herndon show, which usually comes out on Thursday afternoon evenings. This week, because of a scheduling conflict with Mike, we're recording that. And by where we are, I mean I and Mike will be recording that tomorrow morning. I'm the executive producer on that show. It will be out on Friday around midday, so you want to check that out, and you can't get the full video version of that show unless you're a Broadway insider. So go spend 99 cents for one month. You can cancel after that if you don't like it, but I promise that you will. And if you don't cancel, the full monthly rate is just the price of a cup of coffee a month. That's all it is. So you get the Mike Herndon Show. You get our behind-the-scenes looks at a number of different things, um, covering the Titans, covering MLS and Nashville SC covering the World Cup. There's quite a bit of content going up right now from our great Speedway soccer guys. And you want access to all of those premium articles. You can't get that unless you're a Broadway insider. So go and become one today. All right, without further ado, James Foster of A to Z Film Room. All right, it is a Friday, and that means it's a James Foster Friday. Our friend of the show and my buddy James is back once again. It's been a while, James. Checking back in on you. How are you? How have things been? We haven't had you on the show in a little bit. We've missed you. Yeah, man, I'm doing great. Um, you know, any day that you get to cover football for a living is a blessing, so That's right. can't complain. That's a great answer. We're talking, of course, about the Titans and the Eagles today, and we're excited to have you back on. I am because um, of the insight that you bring and I have a couple of questions that I think you'll be able to give us some unique insight from a tape standpoint you know I consider myself I guess kind of an amateur sicko because I do watch every game in the NFL but you grind tape on every game in the NFL like a, a true psychopath and so you know um, as much about this Titans team as anybody that I know and, and you've got a pretty good handle on this Eagles team which has been coasting for the most part throughout the season now in the last month or so they've been playing teams a little tighter then we grew accustomed to them playing them earlier in the year. I, I want to get your general perception on this team out of the gate. What is your thought on this team in terms of the NFL as a whole? Where do they, I guess, from a roster standpoint, from a power ranking standpoint, 
where do you see them in terms of a true contender or maybe are their numbers a little bit boosted by being in the NFC? What are your thoughts on them as a team? Yeah, I mean, I think top to bottom, this is one of the best rosters that I've ever seen. Um, Like when you look at the fact that they basically have two offensive line units that they can roll out and then same thing with their defensive front. Yep. Um, um, what's, uh, what's his name? TJ Edwards at linebacker making plays this year. Their secondary Chauncey Gardner Johnson leads the league in interceptions. I think they got Darius Slay. Um, the other, uh, it's been a long, it's been a long day already. The other corner, uh, fill me in, uh, James Bradbury. Bradbury. Um, I think both are like top five PFF grade. Um, obviously, you know, the weapons and then like Jalen Hurts has taken his level of play up to a new level. And it's, it's really what he's done every year of his career in football is just improve every season. College Um, included, right? I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, when, when we first saw him, I think as a freshman at at Bama, you know, he was not a good quarterback at all. Um, and, you know, he's actually a legitimate NFL quarterback. I think any MVP discussion or anything um, was always ridiculous um, because he has one of the easiest jobs of any quarterback in the NFL. Right. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very impressive collection of individual talent. Um, you know, in terms of, of where they stack up with the rest of the league, I think that they're definitely a bit overrated and will continue to be a little overrated because of how easy their schedule is. That's right. just the reality of how power rankings uh, work usually. But, you know, if, if they can, yeah, they, if a couple units on this team can get hot at the end of the season, they could absolutely make a, a deep Super Bowl run especially given how up in the up in the air everything else is with the rest of the teams around the league. Right. I want to get your opinion on Jalen Hurts. You know, you mentioned he, he's taken the leap this year from really was last year's first year in the league or did he sit for his first year? Uh, last year was his second. Right. Year. OK, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So his second year. And that's right. He played at the very tail end of his rookie year. Last year was functionally his rookie year. This is kind of his sophomore leap that we're seeing this year what do you as a as a passer that's really the question right we know that he's a, a great runner <laughs> he has these games like last week they score five touchdowns against the packers he only has 150 some odd yards passing um but it's not because he can't pass the ball seemingly it's because he doesn't necessarily need to in a lot of these games and he's he's been um kind of like lamar early in his career just gashing teams with his legs and if he's a you know, a good enough passer. That's a really deadly combo as a passer. How do you view him? Um, you still think that he's an NFL caliber quarterback in that department? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think he's, um, I would put him. It, it's hard to do, <laughs> hard to do like hard rankings. Is um, he a better passer than Lamar Jackson right now? Uh, no, Okay, but you know, I think he's, he's kind of like within that, 14th to 18th best quarterback in the league range. Um, You know, the biggest thing for me with Jalen Hurts is, well, I I think two things this season. Number one, he's quit bailing from clean pockets as many clean pockets. He still does it. I mean, if you watch the Eagles, like the pockets that his offensive line gives him are just 
comical. Yes. Um, but he will still bail from them. But he's really toned that down. Um, and he's also, I mean, he has the second lowest turnover worthy play percentage in the NFL right now okay. among quarterbacks. Who do you think his number, who do you think has the lowest, by the way? The the least turnover worthy plays? Yeah. Is it somebody I'm not going to guess? I mean, like, is it? It's a good quarterback. Justin uh, Herbert. Is it? Okay. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, social media quarterback. Um, that's right. Yeah. But yeah. So that's the other thing. It's just like cutting down the, the turnovers. It You really get the sense that he understands what his role is on this team. And that's just to guide the ship and, and operate the offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, this is the perfect example of you have a, an above average quarterback on a rookie contract and you just stack the roster with a ton of talent and that's kind of their formula that they're going with. And I honestly, I think they have a, a pretty good chance, uh, you know, to do some serious damage in the postseason. Right. And I mean, that's no knock. That's, that's the way you should, in terms of team building formula, that's the way you should do it. They're doing it the right way and it's paying dividends right now. Part of his job in guiding the ship is to get the ball to their really talented wideouts. And they've got a number of them. You know, Dallas Goddard has been out for a couple of weeks and that's hurt them a little bit. But you've got guys on this roster like Quez Watkins who step up, not into that role, but step up in the passing game. He's a guy with 4-3 speed, so he's absolutely somebody the Titans are going to have to pay attention to. And then, of course, a guy we know, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, former Heisman winner, on the outside. Those guys can, can do some serious damage if you're not careful. We know Brown can do it all, and Smith, not necessarily a burner down the field, but he may be one of the best intermediate route runners in the league. He's really talented and can, can gash you uh, in, in smaller chunks, but it's it's painful nonetheless if you can't guard those guys. We saw the Titans last week, and I kind of think, going back two weeks to the Green Bay game, I felt like the secondary in that Thursday night game got away with some less-than-ideal play just because of how bad Rodgers looked in that game. There were a lot of open receivers when I went back and watched the tape, and then against the Bengals, um, wasn't as many guys running wide open, but two massive uh, deep balls in the fourth quarter where you just get out physicaled by a, a T Higgins style wide receiver. Who's just going to be better than you. If you can't be um, a big physical cornerback and, and play him in that way. And the Titans weren't able to do that twice in the fourth quarter. AJ Brown is um, maybe the poster boy for big physical wide receiver in the league that you, you have to be able to contend with from a physicality standpoint, or else he's just going to own you each and every time you're trying to cover him one-on-one. -on -one. What do you think the Titans formula will be in this game to try to cover all of these, you know, this cornucopia of receiving talents that they have. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they decide to cloud coverage towards AJ towards AJ Brown. Um, I've actually, I'm, I've actually kind of been underwhelmed by Devonte Smith just from what I've watched. Not calling him like a bust or anything, um, but I see him more as kind of a high end number two as opposed to a number I agree. one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think what, what they did against Las Vegas, where they run a lot of two-man and a lot of cover two with, you know, essentially a bracket or a double team on uh, the number one guy, I don't know if they'll think that A.J. Brown warrants that, but, you know, it is kind He's of – He's had kind the, of a quiet month. He's not had a great past couple of games. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, to be honest, I mean, you, you hyped me up as watching every single game. I don't I don't watch the film of every single game, and I've actually 
kind of skipped the uh, Eagles passing game for the last Uh-oh. couple of weeks. Just because, uh, so, yeah, I honestly don't even really know what, what the deal is with A.J. Brown, uh, to be honest. But um, I think the Titans' hope is Well, it's been that- a lot of the, the issues he had here in Tennessee, right? He's had a couple of uh, ball security issues, and he's had a couple of drops issues. He's had a couple of his you. drops games already. So Yeah, I'm seeing now two fumbles. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the hope for the Titans is that A.J. Brown just kind of like overhypes himself up and has one of those games where he just seemingly can't catch everything. Just becomes a head case. Yeah. Um, But what, what I was saying about the sort of coverage that they play um, my guess though, would be that with a team with as well-rounded of a group of weapons as the Eagles, they would really just kind of go with their standard um, deployment of coverage, which is just to play everything. Um, Yeah you know, and as opposed to running some specialty coverage where they're devoting a bunch of resources to one guy because the Eagles have enough talent where they can just, you know, Jalen Hurts will find the find the soft spot and exploit it. Yeah. No, I think that, that that's accurate. And in terms of on the defensive front, this feels like a very basic formula for the Titans. They've had to deal with a number of different quarterbacks like this in the sense that, you know, they, they probably won't be doing a whole lot of, trying to get home on the quarterback. It'll be more of a corral um, type game plan, just trying to keep him in the pocket and, and, and avoid, uh, you know, the quarterback gashing you with his legs. Do you let me stop you? Let me stop you right there. This or no, let me stop you right there. I don't, I don't know that the Titans are going to be in any position uh, to decide how they want to pressure the court quarterback. Okay. Like, I just don't, because of I the offensive if, line. I don't know if them like getting too far into the pocket is, is going to be a, a, a huge issue. Uh, okay. Monday, so I wouldn't worry about that. Do you I'm just be, that I'm, that I'm much kidding. confidence. In I'm the... kidding. That's just a shot at the pass rush, but yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So is that? But is that? Is that? I mean, there's got to be some truth to that. Is there? Is that more of a take on the Eagles' offensive line, or are you kind of down on the Titans' pass rush right now? Well, both. But I mean, yeah, that's okay. just how you have to play a mobile quarterback. Is sure. you know you have just like keep keep the pocket wide to start out, and then try to compress it. Um, you know, throughout the play. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Titans defense in particular, you know, this past game against the Bengals, they had one of their worst outings as a run stopping team. And it really didn't reflect it as much in the box score. Um, you know, the, Samaj Pirine and Joe Burrow didn't gash the Titans for 150 yards or anything, but they, they seemingly got the runs they needed uh, when they needed them kind of on demand. And it was just an out of character performance for the Titans run defense what are your thoughts? You know, they, they get back Dupree and Molden and Hooker for that game, and the, the trade-off is you don't have Autry. Is Autry that important to this Titans defense? Do you think there was a rust element with those guys coming in? What did you see on on film that was maybe the reason behind this run defense being lackluster? So Autry, I don't, don't think, has really any effect on the run defense. Okay. Um, he's... He's been a pretty bad run defender for his entire career. Um, It's, it's a similar kind of deal as the giants game where it was, it's really just, you know, you can have a bad game in run defense by four or five plays. You have one guy that's out of position, you know, out gapped or whatever. You have one missed tackle, like David long had a few missed tackles. Mm -hmm. Um, Andrew Adams had a few. Um, They also had, you know, defensive linemen, getting into the backfield and then just not wrapping up. So 
it, it wasn't like they were just getting pushed around. Um, if they, if I watched the film and they were looking like the Chargers defensive line or the Texans defensive line, um, guys just getting moved back five yards every play, that would be worrisome. But to me, this is just kind of, you know, a, a fluky game where um, the Bengals really just had a, a good running performance and it was a down game for Tennessee. Where, I mean, they absolutely do miss Danico Autry, though, in pass rushing. Yeah. Um, I pulled this up um, while you were talking, and then this is pass rush win rate for Titans edge rushers. Number one, Danico Autry at 17.2%. Then you got Rashad Weaver, Demarcus Walker, Mario Edwards. They're all in between 15 and 14%. And then at 11.1%, you have Bud Dupree. And... Mm. So yeah, when you when you take away Danico Autry, when you have Jeffrey Simmons clearly not at a hundred percent, no. Um, then you see these guys like Mario Edwards and Demarcus Walker, who previously they could just make one or two splash plays a game, and that was a good enough impact that you got from them. Right. Um, but now you're relying on them to consistently win, and it's just I, a lot of people underestimate how difficult the how difficult it is to make the jump from splash player to consistent impact um and the titans really only have two consistent impact players in as a as pass rushers um and neither of them are at 100 percent. right that makes sense i want to talk about the other side of the titans on the other side of the ball that is on offense we saw an interesting game from the offense against the Bengals. They um, kind of, in my opinion, kept up with their momentum in the passing game from the Green Bay game. Traylon Burks has really unlocked some things for this team. And as much as the offensive line has been lackluster and has forgotten how to run block, apparently they have given Ryan Tannehill enough time, in my opinion. I'm curious if you agree. Um, it's looked like he's had some better pass protection overall in the past couple of games um maybe that's just a result of the weapons what are your thoughts yeah i think so um the the every game is different and it's it's really hard to evaluate individual pass blocking performances because um you know just for people who don't really understand what the kind of what the process is of watching an entire game you know you have let's say ryan Tannehill drops back 30 times when you go through and watch all those pass plays in the Titans offense, say like five of them are going to be a play action boot where they're moving the pocket, not really a pass blocking snap. Um, you know, probably 10 to 12 are going to be play action where the, the pass rush isn't really pinning their ears back. They're defending the run. So that kind of freezes the pass rush. And so you get like 10 to 12 actual true pass sets that you can evaluate and you know, we kind of like make these sweeping conclusions about, oh, like the pass, the pass protection was so great. Like it's really like on the upswing. And a lot of times that's, it's kind of just a mirage. Um, okay. That's, and I'm, I'm saying that just to say that sometimes seeing like zero sacks or one sack can be misleading. Like sure. I think the Packers game <clears throat> was a little bit like that. Um, but yeah, in general, i I just watched rewatched the Bengals all 22 for the first time uh, before this. 
but in general, I thought the pass protection was pretty good against Cincinnati. Um, also against Kansas City outside of like a few key plays, I thought it was okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Dylan Radins has been a huge pleasant surprise for me in terms of pass protection, but for me, I think I think they're ready to get him out of the line lineup just because of how bad of a run blocker he is. Right. No, I think that that's right, and um, I I'm assuming that Ben Jones is going to be back this week, so I think they'll slide uh, guys back over and get Raiden's back out of the lineup. In in that Bengals game, I saw you tweeting about just how much people, and it's kind of a it's a knee jerk fan reaction, right? Is it, whenever the Titans' offense does anything wrong, it's Todd Downing's fault. And he doesn't help himself by, you know, calling boneheaded plays like throwing to Jeff Swaim on an in-breaking route with Traylon Burks blocking, and then you get that screen cap center on Twitter, and it's like, why isn't this reversed? He doesn't help himself out in that way. But I didn't come away from that game thinking, oh, Todd Downing, once again, costing this team in a big way. To me, it felt like an execution thing, and in the red zone, you just can't stall out three times like that, and that's on the players in that game, in my opinion. I guess kind of in defense of Todd Downing, you were talking about just how kind of how handcuffed he is with the people he has at his disposal on offense. Do you want to speak a little bit to that? Yeah, ultimately that kind of point that I was making doesn't have much to do with Todd Downing at all. He's a very underwhelming offensive coordinator. Right. Um, My position with Todd Downing since, you know, probably midway three quarters of the way through last year Mm -hmm. was it was never like fire Todd Downing. It was upgraded offensive coordinator. And yeah, I just, I disagree with this sentiment that I see after every game where, you know, the Titans put up 20 points and then it's like, don't let Todd Downing back on the bus. Like how everyone right. in the Titans locker room is so mad because <laughs> uh, they, they had a 40 point offensive performance ripped from their hands by Todd Downing yeah, for calling no. all the bad plays. And it's just, I, I don't know. The the conversation is so simplistic or so simplistic. And so just um, there's so much exaggeration. Yes. It's like, you know, every team you've got, according to fan bases, there are five teams that have the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. And then 27 teams that have the worst. The worst. Right. right. Like, I, I, really enjoy going through and reading uh team subreddits after their games just to get a pulse for like the fan base sure and i mean out of 32 threads a week 16 of them are like you know one of the top comments is talking about how they have the worst offensive coordinator in the league right no one's mediocre um it's like a a boy who cried wolf uh type of thing so yeah it's not really like i'm not I'm not trying to defend Todd Downing or anything. It's more just, um, you know, maybe do some thinking and like before you what um, <laughs> criticize him. Like, yeah, I'm I'm done with seeing stuff like he needs to open up the offense. He isn't scheming anything up. That doesn't excuse, mean anything. Excuse me? you, what? you don't no. know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. No. Just it's just buzzwords. Just repeating like, buzzwords, and he's an easy person to blame. Yeah, man. NFL yeah. Plus costs like $10. $10. You can go go in there and make up your own mind. But it's so much easier to just scream into the void on the internet, James. Um, so that's going to that's gonna be the status quo going forward. I wanted to, before we, you have a couple of um, film 
segments that we want to touch on. And if you're not yeah. watching the show on YouTube, then it's going to be kind of lackluster for you to listen to us talking about film that you can't see. Go on over to YouTube and pull up Broadway Sports Media on there, and you can find the video version of this show so you can see what we're talking about. But before we do, I want to get the last two guys I want to kind of check in on with you in terms of your thoughts on them because we haven't spoken to you in like a month. One is Traylon Burks. Um, we, we talked a lot about him back in the spring when you were a co-host on this show and we did all of our draft talk, and um, we talked a, quite a bit about the receivers in that draft, Traylon Burks being one of them. And then the other is Ryan Tannehill, who's had a couple of good weeks, in my opinion. Give me your thoughts on those two guys in the past month or so. Yeah, Traylon Burks um, has been really impressive. I mean, to me, this is about as good as I could have imagined him looking. Um, I, you you know, didn't, we didn't thinking... love him coming out. I mean, he was not your favorite guy um, in terms of the receivers in this class. I remember us talking about him kind of with some hesitancy. Yeah, but like everything is relative because there are people that I had lower grades on than Traylon Burks that the entire draft process I was hyping up. It's all relative to how other people, like how sure. kind of the consensus views him. So if everybody right. views someone as a sixth round pick, but I view him as a third rounder, I'm going to be like banging the table for that guy. If everyone views Traylon Burks as a first rounder and I'm more of like a second rounder, on so him, you weren't necessarily then, low on him. You just thought everybody else was a little bit high on him. Right. Yeah. I mean, a second round grade is a good, good chance good of becoming a, a sure. good to great NFL player. So yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely liked Traylon Burks. I just, I have questions and I still kind of do have questions about if he can uh, really be that great route runner at the NFL level. That's totally fair. But it, you know, he's showing that he doesn't necessarily need to need to be because uh, the contested catchability has translated. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if the yak the yak does um, as well. But, you know, yeah, stock up for Traylon Burks for sure. Thoughts on Tannehill? Yeah, Tannehill's been solid. Um, the four big-time throws against the, uh, the Packers mm -hmm. was his highest since week two of last season. Um, you know, he's just – he's been really decisive. It's, it's hard to evaluate – Tannehill because he's being asked to do so little so just little. because yep. they're you know they're kind of limited and they are opening it back the offense back up as they're getting more healthy um so it'll be easier to give a full evaluation at this point or um you know probably like five weeks from now right. but at this point he's kind of just um just kind of you know really game manager stuff and making a, a few throws that he needs to make you know, each game. And I think he's done a pretty good job of that. All right. Let's look at a couple of these clips that you have pulled here. So this is a little bit of film study for you guys at home. If you want to watch again over on the YouTube channel, you can see what we're looking at here. This is film from the Titans against the Bengals last week. And we're looking at a little bit of what teams have been doing in recent weeks to stop up the Titans run game. Kind of refrain from talking about that until now, because I had a feeling you'd have something to say when we got to the film, the Titans have been dealing with and kind of the buzzword in the media for the past couple of weeks has been these bear fronts. The teams are putting six on the line. They're really flattening out. You know, they're not necessarily committing more bodies to the run game, but they're they're using these bear fronts to get kind of a flatter look, getting a body on each gap. Right. Isn't that the idea behind how these guys are stopping the Titans run defense or run? Offense, yeah. Rather? So outside zone, wide zone, whatever you want to call it, does 
is most effective against a layered defensive front like Washington's playing right now, where you got one, two, three, four, and then the three linebackers. Right. And so that's four one-on-ones that the offensive line is going to be responsible for. And then if we go to one of these plays from Cincinnati, you can see they're mm-hmm. stacking five and six guys up on the line of scrimmage. And what that does is it creates an extra one-on-one. Um, so not only do you have one less guy that's coming down to the second level and taking advantage of his athleticism, right? but now you've added another one-on-one block that your offensive line has to win for Derrick Henry to not be hit in the backfield. So it's like, you know, just think about it. Imagine that there's a 50% chance of each offensive lineman on a given play winning their block. Mm-hmm. And think about it as a coin flip, you add a, a fifth block that needs to be won. That's right. just another chance. You add an extra leg to the parlay that you got to hit, right? Exactly. Um, that's just another opportunity for the play to get blown up. Um, another and that thing that kind of feels like it is a multiplier in a bad way for the Titans with a guy like Aaron Brewer, who they used so they use so effectively when they can his athleticism to get to the second level and win those kind of blocks. But when he's got to win one on one on the line against a defensive lineman, it's usually a losing situation, right? Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually, I take okay. that back. No, Aaron okay. Brewer, so. Aaron Brewer, a lot of people like him at center. A reason that I prefer him at guard is because he's struggled a lot more having to block nose tackles just one on one. Sure, um, just a than, weight thing, right? I mean, it's just a size. The second level, or you know, reaching a three technique from the backside. Um, so yeah, I think that he's better suited at guard, but he is a, a solid, a solid run blocker. Really, the problem. I mean, Dennis Daly is kind of an evergreen problem, but really the problem is Dylan Radins um, in terms of run blocking. Like he just cannot reach anyone and not, and it's not specifically on this play, but I was just checking. He's PFF's lowest graded run blocker on zone runs this season, like 35.9 grade, which just isn't going to fly with how much outside zone the Titans run. No. but yeah, so you see with this play, it's you say it's he can't reach of... literally like an arm length issue or just athleticism issue. No, he has 34 inch arms. Um, it's just like he let me I can actually find you. Uh, and I'll never mind. But he's just it's like strength. It's explosiveness. It's um, it's reaching the point of contact at the right angle. Uh, the hand placement's fine. But, you know, if he it's I've never seen someone with 34 inch arms that looks like they have 32 and a half inch arms. <laughs> okay. Okay. The way that Dylan Radins does. So yeah, it's just. So do, do you think he's, slotting he's like, Ben really Jones back in on this offensive line will make a significant, that alone will make a significant impact in their ability to run block? Well, it could, but there's, there's a lot of schematic things that defenses are doing and the Titans just don't really have the counters for that. So like another thing that I had um, pulled here is B gap stunts, a super effective way to stop outside zone because, you know, like you don't even really have to win anything to, to get it stopped. So basically you're just going to have this 
play side end is going to stunt into the B gap and then the linebacker Nick Bolton scrapes over. Mm -hmm. And what that does uh, when he comes in here is it's going to force Dennis Daly to mirror Crash him to in. block it. Right, makes well, a huge gap Aaron in the Brewer's, linebacker. Aaron Brewer is trying to come down to the second level and all mm. this movement inside, you'll see Dennis Daly picks this up perfectly. It's a pick play. Yeah, Gets him exactly. off the ground. But now Aaron Brewer can't get down to the second level on Nick Bolton. Mm -hmm. Tripped up by his own guy. And Nick Bolton gets into the backfield. Yep. Derrick Henry's not making people miss in the backfield before he's built up speed. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's an issue. And, and then the, the other problem is that – and Mike, uh, Mike Herndon uh, uh, did a great job breaking this down on F-words this week. Um, mm -hmm. But the Titans, the main kind of counters and curveballs that you can throw as, or as a change-up to outside zone – when teams are hitting you with those bare fronts, the Titans really struggle with toss plays. Uh, the fan base and the coaching staff agreed, okay, we can't run toss anymore. Right. Well, that's one of the best ways to to, uh, to make teams pay for crowding so many guys up towards the middle like that. Is just is that one of the reasons they've had so much success with their their screen plays to running backs in recent weeks? Is that another Absolutely. way that it's often countered? Yeah. Yeah, get like a jailbreak screen, crack blocks where you're washing them down inside, and then you get a couple people out on the move. Yep. Right. All right, well, that's fascinating. Is there anything else you wanted to show us, or is that all? That's it. All right, well, James, we thank you for uh, giving us some more of your time than usual this week. We'll just call it making up for lost time in the past month, and uh, we appreciate you making all of us smarter. Guys, go in. Actually, James, let the people know. Where can they find your work right now? Of course, over with A to Z Film Room on YouTube and on Twitter at No Flags Film. What have you been working on lately? What do the people need to go check out? Man, if you like rookie cornerbacks, I got you covered. Okay. Uh, McDuffie, Martin Emerson, Sauce Gardner, Tariq Woolen. Um, been doing a lot of those guys just because the rookie DB classes um, just – this is like one of the craziest years for rookie cornerbacks that I've ever seen. Um one Titans video every week. I'm actually working on a Titans video about the run game right now. Okay. Um, expect that in a couple of days. And uh, yeah, make sure to subscribe. All right. Go check him out on YouTube, on Twitter. James, thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you again next week, man. Yes, sir. All right, JT. It is once again that time of the week. It's time to make some money in my favorite segment of the show, the Best Bet Gauntlet. Now, if you're new here, just to get you up to speed, JT and I, every single week, go through what we call the Best Bet Gauntlet. Draft snake style, based on who won or lost the previous week, we draft our five favorite sides from this week's NFL slate. So we are betting against the spread, and I get the first pick this week because JT bested me by one game last week. JT, before we get into this, I have to let the people at home know that if they are a 
small business or a local business here in the national Middle Tennessee area, or if you're employed by a business that you think would be a good fit, we have advertising opportunities here on the Hot Read Podcast, as well as our other podcasts on the Broadway Sports Media Podcast Network, as well as on our BroadwaySportsMedia.com website. If you want to get your product or your business advertised out to people that would be paying attention to our sports content, then hit us up via social media. Um, you can reach out via DM to the Broadway Sports Media Twitter page, Facebook page, my Twitter page. You can uh, email us via the emails you can find on broadwaysportsmedia.com under the roster section. We'd love to just chat with you to see about some options. We've got thousands of eyeballs on us each and every day, hundreds of thousands on social media each and every week. So come and check out what we can offer to you. We would love for our small business to be able to support your local small business. All right, now, the best bet gauntlet, I've got the first pick. With the first pick of the week, what is it, 13? Goodness, time flies. The week 13 best bet gauntlet, I'm just taking it off the board. I've got to take the hometown Tennessee Titans, now getting four and a half at Philadelphia. You could have gotten a better number if you bet them earlier in the week, and I did. For the sake of the contest, I'm going to take the number that is currently available, which is four and a half. The Titans laying four and a half is great for a number of reasons. First of all, Mike Vrabel, we've talked about this all year. He's 21-7 and seven against the spread as an underdog of three or more points. So when he is, uh, when his opponent is favored by a field goal or more, he has covered in his career 21 out of 29, or 28 times, rather, which is an astonishing record. He also, in those such games, is covering by an average of 7.7 points. So it's not even a sweat. He's covering by over a touchdown on average in those games when he is uh, an underdog of three or more. The Eagles, this is a very interesting one. We talk about how regressive stats are something to look to, you know, stats that are kind of luck-based. When it comes to betting, we look for teams that are over or underachieving, and I like to bet them regressing to the mean, like the numbers tell us they will. Well, the Eagles, and a very big one, they are plus 13 this year in their turnover margin, which leads the NFL by like five or six turnovers. They are due for some regression there. They've already kind of in the past couple weeks been trending in that direction. I think it's going to continue, and the Titans defense, frankly, is due for a takeaway or two in this game. This is another really interesting one, JT, that I found today in doing research for this. The AFC is so much, we, we know this, right? The AFC is so much stronger than the NFC this year, but just how strong. In games when an AFC team plays an NFC team and they are the underdog, those AFC teams straight up are 14 and 7 on the year. So there's kind of a disconnect in how we think about teams from these two different conferences, I think. And that kind of informs a, another pet bet that I'm going to have coming up here in a minute if you don't steal it. But for all of those reasons, it feels like a clear play on Mike Vrabel here. I would tell you, based on that first stat alone, that anytime Mike Vrabel is an underdog of by three or more points, you should blind bet it until his record isn't so phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, give me the Titans plus four and a half. My first pick here, really not as much in-depth, just more of how I'm seeing these two teams right now. One is extremely hot, and the other one is kind of reeling from a hot start now, kind of back down towards on the decline here. I'm going to take... More than kind of. Yeah. I'm going to take Taylor Heingoat here in this game. I, I Earlier in, in the week, I saw the line was more to like four or three and a half, but seeing it now here at minus two and a half, getting a field goal here... For the, for the commanders to win by a field goal, I really like that a lot. 
I think this defense and with what Taylor Heineke is doing with this offense is really getting it going for them and making them a sneaky playoff contender here. Um, but also the addition of maybe Chase Young coming back this week could put a little bit more life into that commander's defense, which is really why I like this pick. I love how you opened with, uh, after I go in, in detail on the Titans pick, you're just like, this pick's on based on vibes. But I respect that because I actually think that this is a really good pick. Again, you're just picking the hot hand here. And, and the, the Giants, they're just, uh, we, we've been pointing out that they're frauds all year and they're finally coming back under. Um, whether that's due to injuries or not, they're just not a super talented team. And frankly, I think that this is going to be the game where the Commanders pass them in their division. The Commanders, I think, will get into the playoffs. Frankly, I think the Giants might miss after starting 7-1, 7-2, which is astonishing. Um, I also love, by the way, the fact that we, I think as a show, one of us has bet on Taylor Heineke like four or five weeks in a row, and I think we We're stringing be, them together. But yeah. I also think we might be undefeated betting on him. Yeah. Um, we're, we're very good on betting Taylor Heineke. Earlier in the year, we were very bad betting on or against Carson Wentz. So I guess it just all comes around eventually. With my second pick in the Week 13 Best Bet Gauntlet, and this one's gross, and if you're a Titans fan, you're not going to want to bet it. But if you're a wise better, like I consider myself to be, and you want to make money, you have to do other things sometimes. And even though this is a bet that full full admittance from me, I'll probably be actively rooting against my own financial interests come Sunday, I've got to go with Kansas City minus one and a half. The fact that this number keeps trending towards the Bengals, um, I know it's on the road, and I know that KC is not very good at covering when they're the favorite. However, when they're a favorite of under a field goal, that's when they've been money. Also when they've been money, in November and December. I believe we're up to number either 26 or 27 in a row that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have won uh, games, that is, in the month of November or December, and that's just straight up. Their record against the spread in that in that time frame is fantastic as well. At minus one and a half, this is essentially just picking who you think is going to win the game, and I think that Cincinnati, as good a team as they are and as how well they have been against the Chiefs recently, this is a spot that I'm sure the Chiefs have had circled for a while. It's a double revenge spot after the Bengals knocked them off twice last year. I think that they'll be coming in with, oh, by the way, I forgot to even mention, do we remember who the Chiefs played last week, JT? Uh, That'd be the the horrible LA Rams, right? Yes, yeah. I, I had to forget because that game was so it, it, it was, was so forgettable. Very forgettable. I doubt you even watched much of it. If you did, like me, you're a certified psychopath. And that's the kind of game where if you watched it, it was clear. Oh, this is a preseason game plan from the Chiefs. Like they're showing you nothing. They're just playing backyard football, trying to get over this very very bad opponent, and they did. I could almost guarantee you I would put a ton of money on the on the fact that that Chiefs coaching staff was doing work on the Bengals game last week before they even got to their Bengals week they have had this game circled and they've frankly had the scheduling fortune here to prepare for them for a long time whereas the Bengals just won a tough one on the road I don't think that they'll be nearly as prepared for all of those reasons I've got to ride with the Chiefs minus one and a half no, I, I respect that one there. There's a lot riding on that game for both teams involved. But with my second pick, uh, there's a lot riding on this game as well that I'm about to talk about here. I'm going to go with Atlanta, minus one, who Love this pick. 12 games into the season is still very, very much alive with that NFC South spot. Now, all four teams are bad, 
but this is just a classic matchup for that minus one. It's basically who I think is going to win the game outright here. Right. And Atlanta playing at home here with more to play for than Kenny Pickett and the Steelers right now, I just think they're going to will themselves to win this one. I like that pick a lot. I think this is a sell sell spot on the Steelers. They looked pretty good against a bad Colts team on Monday Night Football. They're now going to be on short rest in that game too, which is a plus for Atlanta. Um, and I think that, frankly, Atlanta, you know, Pittsburgh's dead this year. They're not they're not going anywhere. They don't have a ton to play for. Atlanta still feels bad to play for. In the bad NFC, they still have a chance. And if they go on a run, they could get in. They're also going to have a bitter taste in their mouth. I, you probably watched that game last week. Brutal way to end that one. They're going to want some revenge, and they're going to exact it on the Steelers. So, so far, I'm betting both of your sides. I like all of our bets. With my third bet, I'm going to go with, and this is what I was alluding to with my first pick, I'm going to go with the Jets, plus three against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, if this was Zach Wilson, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because he is the worst quarterback in the league. However, Mike White, the prince that was promised, future Hall of Famer Mike White, uh, had a phenomenal game last week. He, frankly, is what the Jets need at quarterback, which is a guy that's just going to do what the coaches tell him to do and run the plays and throw the ball to the good players, all three of which are things that Zach Wilson, for the life of him, could not do. And as long as he game manages this game, again, I'm just betting on the AFC being better than the NFC. Yes, the Vikings are very good. They have one lo- or one or two losses yeah, they're nine. No, two. They are, they are nine and two on the year. The Jets seven and four. I don't think that they're a great team. However, with Mike White, it changes the equation for me. And like I said earlier, when an NFC team is favored over an AFC team, they are seven and fourteen straight up against those teams. I like the Jets to cover, and frankly, I think that they may win outright in this one. The, the, by the way, Minnesota defense is sneaky bad. I think it's trending. It, I think I know it is trending towards a bottom five unit in the league. So the Jets are going to score a lot of points in this one. The uh, excuse me, the, the Vikings are going to have to score to keep up with them, and they've got a guy named Sauce Gardner playing cornerback who's been a freak of nature, just an unbelievable rookie performance from him at cornerback. The Jets' star cornerback is probably going to shut down Justin Jefferson or do, uh, you know, force him to have one of his worst games of the year, which means it's going to be on Adam Thielen and uh, TJ Hawkinson to beat up on this Jets team. I, I kind of like the Jets to win outright. With my third pick here, <clears throat> just going with one that if you look at these previous, the his, history of these, it's just one t- side is just completely dominating the other. And that's the New Orleans Saints against the Tampa Bay Bucks. With the Saints coming on the road here at a plus four, I really like this one because it's one team that is, once again, both these teams are alive in this NFC South. And the Saints just historically have owned Tom Brady. Forget what the offensive and defensive woes that the Saints have had. They always play different in these games where they're playing against Tom Brady and the Bucks. If you need a little bit more to convince you on this one, why not Marshawn Lattimore coming back, who already shuts down Mike Evans, but it's just going to provide a little bit more on that defense to rejuvenate them and kind of make them even want this game a little bit more. So that's why I really like them, especially with it being the Monday Night Football game on primetime. I like that pick a lot. I think also last week was pretty telling about just where this Bucks team is at against that Browns team. They looked really bad. And the Saints actually looked pretty good against the Niners, who are a good team. They had some really tough breaks and turnovers inside, like, the five-yard line. Yeah. So I think that they're a better team. And, again, coming into this year, the Saints against Tom Brady's Buccaneers were, like, 
six and one or something all time. So I love that pick. My next pick, speaking of the 49ers, I'm going to bet against them, and I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins getting four, excuse me, giving four on the road at San Fran. Excuse me, no, sorry, I have it written wrong. They're getting four, love it even more, on the road at San Fran. So Miami plus four, it's really this simple. San Fran, their offense is predicated on the run game. Miami's got a sneaky good run defense, a top 10 unit in the league recently. And uh, San Fran's defense has been phenomenal against the run. However, Miami doesn't really need to run the ball. They are going to air it out. And as long as Tua can be protected, I I love the fact that they've got the two stud wide receivers who are going to really test a pretty young cornerback core in the 49ers. And I frankly think it's going to be kind of a shootout game. And I don't trust Jimmy G and the passing game to be able to keep up with Miami's passing game. If both run games are taken out of the equation, I like the Dolphins. I think they're just a better team. Once again, I'm, I'm betting on the AFC. Oh, the, the, I'm betting on the good teams in the AFC over the good teams in the NFC. Give me Miami plus four. For my fourth pick here, I'm going to do something that you did last week okay. in which we are going back to our vices here oh, on no. teams that we should absolutely not bet on but still do anyways. Of course, last week you found success in betting the Jaguars. This week, I'm going I'm to try my hand. I'm, I, I'm going to try my hand here with the Chargers, plus one. Another game, just like the Atlanta one here, coming into Las Vegas, in which the Chargers still need to kind of get on a roll here if they want a chance to make it to the playoffs. I think they're getting healthier and healthier with each week. And I think, once again, it's just another game where you just pick the side that you think is going to win. I think this is a high-scoring ma- matchup, no doubt about that. However... I think Justin Herbert and that offense is finally clicking a little bit better with Keenan Allen behind it. I also just think this is a huge game here for Austin Eckler, who's been kind of quietly disappointing the past couple of weeks. So I'm looking for him to kind of bounce back. It's going to be a huge high scoring game here against these divisional rivals, but I'm going to take the Chargers in this one to come out on top. JT with my fifth pick in the best bet gauntlet. I'm going to do something that Surgeon General of the United States absolutely advises against this. Um, it's not safe. You, if you've got children listening, you should cover their ears. It's a, a headphones moment for them. Please cover their ears and eyes. Um, and frankly, you may want to be sitting down at home if you're listening to this. But we have to do it. We have to. I'm going to bet the Rams plus seven. They are on the road, or excuse me, they are at home hosting division rival Seattle Seahawks. couple of reasons why this putrid, going-nowhere Super Bowl defending champion Rams team is the team that I'm going to back. First of all, this Rams team is, in any other situation, the kind of team where you'd say, oh, they're just going to pack it in. They're going to they're gonna tank, right? Just tank for the draft. There's nothing for them to tank for. They've got zero incentive to tank because their first draft, like, what are they going to do? tank for pick 200 like they their first pick is like in the fourth round for the next 12 years they have no picks they have no picks they have no money they have no picks this team got their super bowl and they're now financially ruined for the foreseeable future so they have no incentive to lose they're not going to have aaron donald doesn't look like they're probably not going to have matt stafford they're still not going to have cooper cup i still just can't not in other words i still have to bet a division team like this in this spot. Division games are always closer than they appear they should be. The Seattle Seahawks 
if this if, if Bryce Perkins as the quarterback for the Rams is going to find his stride at any point it's against the Seahawks defense which allowed 600 total yards of offense to the Raiders last week I just don't see how this big a number can be laid you get the full touchdown come game time I may even get the hook at seven and a half and I'll happily take it I have to roll with the Rams to absolutely not win but to cover this big spread in a game that I think will be relatively low scoring and will be an ugly division match it's really interesting Easton because as you were saying that I realized uh, we almost did not have a head-to-head matchup this week in the best bet gauntlet almost however I'm going to just take what all, all of you said and just throw it out the window here because I'm taking Seattle minus seven okay. in just basically for the opposite reasons. I think the Seattle team is get is just doing just enough here to still contend for this division title. I think they're neck and neck right now with the 49ers here for that division. And like you said, Aaron Donald is not playing. Matthew Stafford is looking like a no-go. No Cooper Cup. I mean... They, they allowed 600 yards of offense last week, but they they were facing a team with the absolute goat in Josh Jacobs, the absolute <laughs> monster. Con- contract year Josh Jacobs is a top five running back of all time. Apparently. Of all time. Okay, of all okay. time. All right, all right. He, is, he is just a monster. However, the Los Angeles Rams have Cam Akers and a guy named Kyron Williams. I'm expecting neither of them to do anything close to what Josh Jacobs did last week. And I think this is just a spot where it's a very disheveled and disorganized team right now for these Los Angeles Rams. And with Aaron Donald missing his first game ever, I'm just going to take them to beat up on the Rams. All right, so those are our picks. Quickly recapping, JT is taking three favorites this week. The Commanders, minus two and a half. Atlanta, minus one. And Seattle, minus seven. His dogs are the Chargers, plus one, and the Saints, plus four. I'm going to roll with one favorite in Kansas City, minus one and a half. And then four dogs in Tennessee, plus four and a half. Miami, plus four. And the Rams, plus seven. Now, don't you dare go anywhere if you're listening at home because we have a gripe with you, okay? Let's have a conversation real quick, and then I'll let you leave. It's been since November 15th, JT, if I'm not mistaken, since we've gotten a rating or and or a review on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts. And, like, God, you can't hide. I have the numbers. I know how many of you listen on Apple Podcasts specifically. So I know you're capable of doing it. And you have not all, not even close to – not even 5% of you have left a rating or a review. It takes you 10 seconds. If you've never done it before for any show, it's right – you just go to the show, scroll down. It's right there. It's easy. It, genuinely, you can do it in 10 seconds. So before you go find another podcast to listen to or music to listen to or do whatever else with your day, stop what you're doing. Please leave us a rating and a review and say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. And we will say it out out on air. We will discuss your thoughts. You can talk about anything. You can tell us how horrible the show is and, and how you hate it so much. We, we will love you forever. Just make it a five-star rating and a review. And you can say whatever you want. We will shout you out on the show. Leave your Twitter handle. We'll follow you there. We'll send people to follow you. We are We are not above getting on our knees and groveling. Please leave us ratings and reviews. It's been far too long. We appreciate you. I can hear through the. I can hear through your phone right now all the tippity tapping of your fingers as you're doing it right now. Thank you very much. We will be very happy to see those on Monday's episode. And if we don't have a new rating and or review by Monday's episode, 
I can't guarantee we have an episode on Monday. Frankly, that's wow. that's the lifeblood of the show. It's the li- it's big. the you gotta you gotta we need some fuel. We're running on empty here. Okay, so leave us a rating and a review, and you will be providing for all the other hundreds of people that listen to this podcast at least one more episode, and they will love you forever. And we'll shout you out on the show and say this guy saved your Monday morning reaction on um, the Titans and the Eagles big game on Sunday. And with that. We're going to get out of here. Make sure to watch that game and then make sure to tune in first thing Monday morning on your drive to work on your way to school. Check out our show, which will be recapping that big game. Until then, I am Easton Freeze for Producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you. Monday.